0: There's a passage I want to share with you this morning. It's one that I've actually wondered about for decades. It's been a thorn in my mind and it just always has this way of kind of like drawing me back in and getting me wondering like what is going on here? And if you want to follow along with me, I invite you to, to pull out your phone and turn to Acts 16 or if you would like, there's there's Bibles under the chairs here. And I'm gonna start at verse six. Let me just read this little section to you from Acts chapter 16, starting at verse six. And what it's doing is it's recounting the travels of Paul. Paul, of course, was that, that, that once terrorist grabbed hold of by God, converted, and brought into the kingdom in lordship of Jesus, and dedicated his life to spreading the good news about the very one he formerly tried to persecute and stamp out. We're picking up with Paul in the middle of these journeys that he would take as he was traveling all over the Roman Empire, going from synagogue to synagogue, sharing the message of Jesus with people. And we get this snippet in Acts chapter 16, this just little glimpse into this one little leg of his journey, but it's so weird. It's so weird, and I just wonder what this is. Verse six, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them it's those two little lines it's not the vision the vision is not what gets me it's those two little lines that he tried to go here he tried to go to Phrygia and Galatia and here is the exact phrase again having been kept by the Holy Spirit they wanted to go there the Holy Spirit somehow kept them from doing so so they set out in another direction and they come to the border of mysia and they try to enter bithynia they tried to enter but the spirit of jesus would not allow them to do so i have always wondered what that meant what what was that like how does the spirit of god keep you from doing what you intended to do. I mean, are they like walking along and they come to the border of like Bithynia and they just kind of like walking, you know, like, like, like you hit this like invisible force field and they keep buttoning themselves up against it? I mean, did they come closer and closer and they had this overwhelming sense of dread? I mean, did they start like maybe 30 kilometers out, start seeing like billboards every mile going, don't go to Bithynia, the Holy Spirit says, don't go to Bithynia, the Holy Spirit says, go to, you know, blank, go to blank, you know, turn this way. Uh, wall drugs, only 400 miles this way, or something like that. (laughs) But you know what I mean? It's like, how did that actually function? And it isn't just theoretical for me. And I bet it's not theoretical for you, because I think, I think a reason that there's such fascination about the Holy Spirit or such interest in learning more about the Holy Spirit is because we fundamentally want to know what God is telling us to do. Where God is telling us to go. How God is telling us to respond. Which of any array of choices before us, God wants us to choose those of us who have come to see the goodness of God, as the writer to the Hebrews will put it, have been enlightened by the Spirit, who have tasted the heavenly gifts, who have shared in God's blessings. Any of us who have come to Christ, or at least have come to a deep and abiding interest in the nature of who God is, I think at some level, come up against this question. Just, just kind of like, tell me. Guide me. Show Me, Jesus talks about how the spirit will guide us in wisdom in truth and we get it but when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of the choice that actually has to be made wouldn't you just wish he would spell it out for you and I come across this passage by Paul and it's like it just seems so clear like the Holy Spirit wouldn't Let him, what the heck does that mean? What did that look like? Because I want to know what it looks like when I come across the choices laid before me. How about you? It's fascinating to me in the same passage that he does finally receive a vision of this man from Macedonia begging. And I I just kind of like loved, he goes, well, we kind of drew a conclusion that maybe this is what God wants us to do. Yeah, you think? You you, you know? I wanna talk to you this morning about trying to sift the Holy Spirit's guidance in your life. Not up here at the theological plane, but in the nuts and bolts of, of the decisions that each of us make in trying to find God's guidance or direction in the midst of it. Those of you who are here at Fellowship of Faith who happen to be members, you know that about a month ago, I received a call to be a pastor in Southern California. And this past week, I turned it down. And it reveals, thank you, it reveals (laughs) But it does, it it does reveal three things. One, I'm stupid. (laughs) Two, I love you. And three, I actually believe in what we're doing here and what God has going on. I wanna take that experience that I've just been through and that all pastors go through is a case study and I want to use it as a case study to try to bring my own reflections and wrestling with the passage or a concept of like God where are you guiding and how do we kind of sift through an act 16 paradigm I want to use it as a case study for the endless choices you have to make when you find yourself in the same place Do I date this girl? Do I say I do? Do we move to this place? Which school do I choose? Three things are scheduled for next Saturday. Which one do I choose? From the big decisions of your life to the little. Do we go on hospice or continue to fight this thing? all the way down to which phone plan should I choose? Because all of our lives are filled with the big and weighty decisions that have deep and profound impact. To the countless myriads of ones that seem trivial but are important because they affect us and what's to come and the aftermath. And hopefully by reflecting on this a little bit today, maybe we can get a window into how I think the Holy Spirit often works and where that leaves us in discerning God's good and perfect will and what's pleasing to him in the midst. So I can tell you this, over this past month, I received no vision from heaven and I received no oracle. I can tell you this, I did not hear a still small voice saying, go or stay. There was no inner sense of conviction or compulsion that was overwhelming that said, you've got to do this and I can't even understand or explain why, but I know this is the choice that has to be made. There was no overwhelming message from the greater church community Though the people in California were certainly saying, no, we want you to come. And the people at FOFL, some of you anyway, were certainly saying, no, we want you to stay, and I appreciate that. But overall, in the entire church community, there was no sense of, shall we say, preponderance of movement in one direction, and no lost scripture was found over the past 30 days. You know, I didn't come across um, some, some parchment unearthed by an archaeologist from Hezekiah 2, verse 13, that said, In the first year of the reign of President Biden, the word of the Lord came to me and said, Thou shalt go to California and be, you know, or, or something like that. You know, th- th- there, there was nothing like that, which kind of seems to leave it all in a void, doesn't it? And so then you start looking at your desires. What do I wanna do? Which by the way has an important place in any discussion of what God is calling you to do. Sometimes God calls us contrary to our desires, but guys hear this, sometimes God calls us within them because God is not a sadist. He is not delighting in screwing with your desires and making you do the opposite on some basic principle, but it's always important to do a heart check, isn't it? Lord, are my desires honoring and God-pleasing to you? Or are my desires masking mixed motive, running from something, escaping something, hiding from something, a fear of change, a grabbing onto security, or any other number of things that we've all been in that place. But then you do the heart check and and you try to do it honestly and you do it with with people that you know and that you trust and, and you come to the conclusion that no, no, I don't think any decision being made here is being overly tainted because everything we do is tainted to a degree but overly tainted by one or the other. And I'm sure that you have found yourself in this exact same place. And in the absence of all of those kinds of things, it can really easily lead you to the conclusion, well, it must therefore mean that I am not called there. But that's absolutely not the case. Because I can tell you with all certainty I was called there and I have the document to prove it. <laughs> just like I am called here too. And I think that kind of mistaken thinking, well I just must not be called to that, is predicated on a mistaken idea that God can only call you to one thing. And that the path of obedience and alignment with the spirit of God means trying to discern that one specific path that God is somehow mystically laying out that we have to discern and find. And what obedience means is getting in conformity with that one single path but I'd like you to think about it differently. I would like you to think about the guidance of the Holy Spirit, not so much as discerning one single path, but as God laying out for you, opportunity. Because what I've discovered again and again is this, is that God lays out an array of opportunity. And he does this with you. He doesn't give you one thing and says, follow this, and this means the path of obedience. Oh no, I will argue that maybe on occasion that could be the case. But far more often, God lays out many choices. Many ways, all of which can be honoring to him. God is a God of wondrous array. And God is a God of magnificent opportunity. God opens the horizons of our small myopic way of looking ahead into the future and explodes it onto a panoramic horizon, the, the, the length of which we cannot imagine or dream. I meet so many people who fear God, resist God, and reject God because they find him restrictive as one who closes down the wondrousness of this world. No, when I read the Bible and see the movement of the Spirit of God, I see something very, very different. Instead, I see a God who opens up far more possibility than we would even ever want. So much possibility for that matter that it leaves us often paralyzed in its wake not knowing which to choose. You walk into Walmart and you need to buy paper towels. It's easy when there's only one brand on the shelf, but you stand there in front of an aisle with 43 different brands and you start sitting there going, well, this one's eight cents cheaper, but I really like the two-ply, but I know that my friends have had good. You, You could paralyze yourself with options, can't you? And do you ever find yourself that way in life with the more important things? Which one am I supposed to choose? and then we spiritualize it. Which one does God want me to make? As though there's only one path. One path that would be pleasing to him. No, God has this dirty habit, if you will, of laying before us more choices and more options than we can ever dream. And you know what even makes it harder? How dare him? All of them are filled with blessing. Go here, you'll be blessed. Go there, you'll be blessed. Do this and blessing and my blessing will be there. Don't do this and choose this and I'll be there too. How dare he? What a monster. But it doesn't make it any less difficult, does it? When we sit there before an array of opportunity, going, Lord, what do I do? You know it. You face dozens of these if not hundreds. Maybe even every day. And it's hard because we know that every choice has consequence. It's pretty tough to get around this one. God does on occasion reverse the consequence of our actions. Oh, what beautiful moments those are. There are times And our instances when we make choices that are filled with horrible consequences, and God does more than forgive those, but He actually reverses or changes them as well. I mean, at some level, that's what we're hoping for when Christ comes again. The day when He comes and renews all things, the way when He comes and takes the sum total of all the the horrible choices that we've made in our lives and not only forgives them, but redeems them, renews them, and restores them. But oftentimes it's not now. Oftentimes choosing this does not mean choosing that. Go to California and live in 75 degree weather, 340 days of the year. Learn how to surf with seals. Discover the new adventure that God might have in store with a people you've never met, on a mission field you've never been to, and what God has in store for your family too. We've stepped away from that choice. And there's consequence to that. Likewise stay and get to enjoy 20 below. (laughs) Get to stay and get flus and colds. Stay and continue the work with the people who know and trust you. Stay and watch the unfolding of what God is just germinating and taking to new times and places in new ways. Stay and discover what it means that God is not finished with you yet in a certain time and place. Stay and see what God unfolds among that people and that place. Every choice sacrifices something. We wish it wouldn't be that way because we want it all, don't we? I've got good news. The day is coming when you will have it all and more. God has made a promise to you of a renewal of all things that goes far beyond the consequence and difficulty of choices now made. When God will give that and more. And he calls us to fix our eyes, not just on the now, but on the future. One of the most important choices we can make when the now is hard and difficult. But all of us come against the realization of the consequences of choices we make. And it can frighten us. It can paralyze us. It can leave us in that place going, Lord, just tell me what to do. Sometimes because God, I want to honor you. Sometimes because I just want what's going to be best for me. But we want him to speak in those times and places. And my discovery of following God is simply this. Often he doesn't. Because often you find yourself in these same places, these choices, right? These crossroads, if you will. And you too are not receiving visions or oracles. You too are not hearing a still, small voice. The overwhelming weight of the Christian community isn't urging you or encouraging you in one way or another, and there's no overwhelming sense of conviction or compulsion that I just need to do this because I know it's the right thing to do. No lost scriptures are discovered telling you which way to go, and all the Bible roulette games in the world where you flip and point prove fruitless. But in that place, God's spirit is still with you, guiding, shaping, and with you, and whichever path it may be. And what I've learned is that when you come to that place, that crossroad, if you will, when a decision needs to be made, and you're not getting all of these external or internal things, but you have to leap, you do what you think is best. You do what you think is most God-honoring. You do what you think is both pleasing to him and you leap. And Martin Luther is actually attributed with saying with what comes next. Whether it comes from him, I don't know, but I love this line regardless. And if you choose right, God will bless it. And if you choose wrong, God will forgive it so you really can't lose. And I would simply add that maybe even talking about it in terms of right and wrong isn't always the best way of saying it. There are certainly things in this world that are right and that are wrong. But there are many that are just right. And each will take your life on a certain trajectory. Each will shape and mold the character and nature of who you are. Each will have a profound effect on you. But what i found is more important than asking, what path should I take? Is asking, while I'm on that path, what should I do? Because it's not what path. It's how you live on it that I think ultimately matters to God. How you conduct yourself and carry yourself. How you treat other people. How you bring honor to God over honor to yourself. It's the little calls of obedience which are so easy to overlook because they don't feel like they're the big decisions being made, but that have far more profound effect of shaping the nature of what God is doing in your life and who you are in him. No, I encourage you, if you find yourself stuck at a path, not knowing what to do, and you've prayed and you've discerned and you've worked through the process, stop worrying about which path God wants you to take and understand that he's laying out before you an array of blessing asking you to choose. And whatever choice you make, honor him on that. Honor him on that. Because that, I tell you, that is what living by the Spirit is really all about. God bless, guys. Looking forward to the path.